It's okay. It's all good. We're doing a series called All Things New. Uh, I'm having fun with this series. I hope you are. This is a series where I just want to challenge you to think perhaps differently about some things. To It's always about our perspective, you know, um, that I... Uh, I want to, in my own life, I want to press in more and more to, to really see like Jesus saw things and be aware of how I'm getting in the way of that and, and to, to plug in deeper into the scripture. And, and, you know, I encouraged you in the very beginning of this series that that's one of the things my hope for this year is that all of you will just, you know, embrace your, your time in the word, that you'll think it of it as a, a time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen for his words, that it's a, an amazing, intimate connection and, and uh, that he will help us to sort of change our perspective. And, and I, throughout my life, that's what, that's what needs to be happening. And, you know, I sort of always brought that back to the idea of who's in the center of the story. Because this is his story, and he's supposed to be the one in the center. He is. Um, but, but we keep putting ourselves back in the center of the story. And when we're there, there's no life. But that's sort of the continual thing. I told the last group, I had this thing at Winn-Dixie this week, where... Um, uh, I, I, it's busy over at Winn-Dixie right now, which is cool. I'm glad all the folks are here. But, but um, I, I, I had an initial problem with um, the uh, way that some people were choosing to park. And I want to be careful how I go through this so you get my process. Particularly those people who think it's okay to park in that actual roadway that is where you have to drive through at the end of every row. It's not enough room to stop and park there. And... and um, and so, you know, and, and so, you know, I can get a little fleshy like everybody else. And I, there was someone parked there and, and I got a little judgmental. I didn't do, I didn't act on it. But just so you know, that feeling like, who do you think you are? And do you know who th- I think I am? <laughs> and then, you know, sort of working to the point where, where hopefully they have a good reason for doing that. And I'm sure that they did. But, you know, it took me a little while to get a little grace going. But see, that's a who's in the center of the story thing, because the reality is, but what difference does it make? In, in the scheme of life and in the bigger picture, that's a nothing thing. That's just a me being a little frustrated. And if I act on that, um, it's damaging, you know, I, especially for, for me. I, I, you know, make a point on something silly like that, and you know they'd be sitting right here on Sunday. <laughs> Hi, we're visitors, and uh, thanks for the way you treated us in the parking lot. But change in perspective when you get that's not it's not, it's just not a big deal and it doesn't matter those things don't matter there's also something very freeing getting to that point where you don't have to go around carrying all that sort of angry stuff that doesn't matter right who cares and and so our perspective needs to be changed and and this series uh, what I want to do is look at some things and then pray that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us and and, and change our perspective and the ways that we've looked at things and so you know we've already had some interesting things like. Like I started to talk about being new creations. And we'll talk more about that. Because in these ideas, if I don't get them all in one message, I will get back to it. And we'll start connecting the dots. And I have to bring in some other things to help connect the dots along the way. And then we talked about our hope for the future. And, and, and I said to you, you know, when we get a hold of what that means, it impacts the present in significant ways. That's ultimately where we're heading in this series. But we jumped into Revelation 21. And, and I said, this is so important because in Revelation 21, what it talks about is a new heaven and a new earth. And the picture is heaven coming to earth. And I, I talked about life after life after death. 
And I, for, for a, a lot of times we sort of think that heaven is the end point when the reality is heaven comes to earth and, and it's restored and renewed and we're given new bodies. We get these amazing bodies like Jesus has when he was resurrected and they're incorruptible and they're, they're amazing and they can do amazing things. And we need to start living with that sort of picture that, that it's not ending up on a cloud playing a harp. It's more rich than that. It's deeper than that. And, and we're with Jesus and he dwells with us. And, and even, you know, in the way that we experience him as we begin to worship, because the Holy Spirit is very real and very here now. But imagine when, when you, you're standing worshiping with Jesus and he's also with us and we're enjoying this creation. We're, all the things that you enjoy, you continue to enjoy with things to do, never bored. Waking up in the morning and, and it's perfect when you wake up and everything is perfect and you're rested and it just gets better. You don't have to worry about a bad phone call or a bad text message or a bad headline or none of that stuff. It's just gone. See, that's what we're having. That's what's coming. And now we have to understand that and and let that impact us in the now moving forward. And that's what we're doing in this whole series, that picture of, of, you know, we, we, in, in Eden, where God was with us and humans. and, And that was a sort of a picture of a cosmic temple, Eden, heaven and earth meeting. And then, then we see it again, you know, the fall blows that up. And then we see it in Exodus at the tabernacle. There's a place where heaven and earth meet. And then that's moved into the temple. And there's a place where heaven and earth meet. And then the temple's destroyed and there's no place. And then Jesus comes back. And Jesus says, he's the temple. Fully God, fully man. Heaven and earth meet once again. Then the cross happens and Jesus defeats death and rises in that brand new body. And then um, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in us. And Paul says, we're now the temple. Heaven and earth meet here and and it's that way because the picture is always heaven and earth meet so that when you get to revelation 21 all of a sudden there it is and it opens your eyes and a lot of times people haven't seen it because revelation can be a little hard to work through and they get to like a revelation three and go yeah i'm going back to somewhere else and they miss the call, the, you know, the end of it all, the, where it's all brought together, all the promises. You can read Genesis 1, 2, and the last two, Revelation 21 and 22, and you see this story coming together. And so you've got to, this is one of the times when knowing the end of the book makes the book better. Okay, so, that was a little longer intro than I wanted to do. Oh, and look, I forgot to start my timer. Oh, sorry. I've still got a full 22 minutes. I've got the big clock up there, so I really don't. All right. Bad jokes, real quick. If I don't do them, someone will complain. Oh, and these are real bad. You might complain if I do do them. You ever have somebody that's really into trains? Friend? I have a friend that's really obsessed with monorails. He's got a one-track mind. Ooh. Stealing somebody's coffee? That's called a mugging. Just so you have terminology now. Because I know some of you, when it's really busy in there, if someone sets one down and you've been watching, you let me just grab that one. That'd be a mugging. I was going to tell you a chemistry joke, but I, I doubt it would get a reaction. You've got to do that one just right. Scripture reading here on purpose. Thank you, Lord. Acts three nineteen through 21. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah... Who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven uh, must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy 
prophets. Uh, and, and so we touched on that verse last week, and I, I said I had to sort of finish him up some stuff last week, this week, because I didn't get to it all. And we were talking about that very thing, where, where we were talking about the restoration of all things. That's point one in your notes. And we were, we were looking at the Apostle Peter and, and what he had to say about it, which is, that was him in Acts. And, and um, it's because he's very much aware of, of what's taking place. And he's... Um, he, in Second Peter, in chapter 3, where we were looking at um, the sort of fiery words last week at the end of the age, and, and sometimes people have taken those words and thought that the earth is destroyed. They get sort of that death star image of earth, that it's blown up. And I said, that's not the, the imagery that's there, because Peter likens it to the flood. And remember, the flood happened on the earth, and the earth is still here. It was just cleansed by water. Well, fire happens on the earth, and it cleanses it. It's a purifying fire. And so it exists through that. And so Peter's talking about that. This is great restoration uh, in our scripture reading and in what's happening. And, and, and he's letting us know that these are the things that are taking place, that... That the, the life that we have now as people will continue and continue in the universe in which we now exist. Just richer, deeper, everything put back the way it was. That God is going to do for the whole cosmos what he did for Jesus at Easter. That's what we need to understand. He's the, he's the beginning of that. And, and, and so earth restored. God is redemptive and, and restorative. And, and Jesus is looking forward to this time. In Mark fourteen twenty five, he says, I tell you the truth. I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Remember, kingdom is not a place. It's the rule and the reign of God. He's talking about when the great restoration happens, when all things are made new. That Jesus talks about banqueting and fellowship. It's a very real thing. I want you to get a hold of that. Jesus present with us uh, in this whole process. And uh, he's the forerunner of the great restoration, uh, the, the renewal of all things. Colossians 1.18. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. See, it starts with Jesus, and, and, and so he's the forerunner of all things, the firstborn. He's the, he's the model. He shows us what's going to take place um, for all of us at that point in time. He, he dies just like we and everyone else will, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But on the third day, on that Easter morning, he was raised to life. It was a, he was radiantly alive. It was an amazing thing. I, I, I love sort of the idea that he folded up his grave clothes and put them there neatly and said, won't be needing those, and steps out in this new body. And, and it's an amazing body because it can do so many things. It can do ordinary things. Like, I, I love it that he does a picnic on the beach with his disciples. Uh, John 21. When they landed, they saw fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So Jesus was already having some fish and bread going on. And Jesus says to them, bring some of the fish you've caught. So Simon Peter climbs back into the boat and drags the net ashore. And it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. I, I love that picture. It's just a fellowship and Jesus eating breakfast. And they had a little, little barbecue going on. Isn't that cool? Do you, do you get it? And, and this is Jesus in the resurrected body. This body was more real now. Because like, at the same time, he could do ordinary things. He could do some things that we hadn't seen before. Like he could just show up in a room. He does that with the disciples in this body. And I, and I think sometimes you think, oh, that we have this first sort of thought was because he was less real all of a sudden, like a ghost almost. But that's the wrong way of thinking of it. He's more real in that resurrected body, that new body. So he can just walk through a wall because he's more real than the wall. 
It changes the way that you think, and you need to start thinking that way. Um, looking, you, you sort of lose, using the last couple of chapters of Revelation as a, as a filter and a lens for seeing the rest of it in some different ways. So it's extremely powerful in the process. Well, we come to this verse in Matthew 19, 8, uh, 19 28, and 29, and it's, you need to hear this because Jesus is actually responding to Peter. I said, right now we're looking at what Peter was saying, because Peter had just said, well, what happens to us? We've left everything to follow you. Look what he says, because this is a, a very real sort of promise. Jesus says to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. See, this is a promise of that life after life after death. It's a very real promise. It's not sort of a, a bait and switch. The, the renewal of all things, this great restoration, means that the earth that you love, all your special places, all your treasured memories are restored and given back to you forever. That starts to change things in the way that we live. At the great restoration, death is swept away, utterly swept away. Uh, and not only that, every other form of sorrow and assault and illness and, and harm that you've ever known and will be completely renewed. Think about that. Let that be what you dwell and meditate on, that whole concept of what that looks like and how that changes us. So I've been saying that um, understanding that whole idea has an impact on how we live now. And so I'm going to start talking about that over the next few weeks. And, and I want to start with uh, what might seem like a very unusual way to start. But I want to talk about what death is. Because I've talked about life after life after death. And so I, I need to introduce this idea to you. And I, I won't finish it today. This will absolutely get finished more or less next week. But I'll leave you at a good spot. But, but I'm hoping to leave you at a spot where you have to figure out how to come and listen to this again next week. If you're not here, listen to it online. But listen to it and get the whole thing together. So what about it? Because I'm not sure that we, we've talked about it in light of the promises that we have and what it ultimately means in this whole situation. So, to talk about it, we have to go back to the start of the story, which is always a good thing to do, to get back to the start of the story. We'll go back to creation. You know, I've spent a lot of time in creation over the last few years, so a lot of you will know it. But let's look at Genesis 1, 26, 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So you see here the, the whole idea of why Jesus created humanity. Uh, he wanted to dwell with us and he wanted us to partner with him in subduing the earth. Remember I said last week, Eden was a very real place on earth geographically. We sort of have the geographical idea of where it is um, and, and it was perfect in every way. And that was the template for what the whole earth was to look like and what we were supposed to be as people. Our purpose was that, that Adam and Eve would multiply and all of us would go and in partnership with God we would make the rest of the earth like Eden. That was the, that was the whole picture. That was what was supposed to happen in the process. You know, we, 
We see in that verse that, that we're image bearers, which means that we reflect back to God worship, and we also reflect out to the world around us the, who God is and what he means. We're still supposed to be doing that. And, and that we have purpose, which was to go and partner with God and subdue the earth. All of that's happening. So God makes a, a little thing that he tells him. It's actually a great big thing, but he makes his condition. He says, listen, while you're there tending the garden, um, uh, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So what God tells them, that tree, the fruit from that tree is toxic to mankind, and, and it will introduce death in the process. Uh, and uh, you know the story, that's where the fall comes in, that the serpent tempts uh, Adam and Eve, and they fall for it, and they eat of that fruit, and everything changes. And, and what happens is, at that point, that death enters the world. That's number three. Death enters the world. Now, uh, so we have a way of, when we think about death, I I think that most of us think about it sort of as a biological thing that happens. Our our biochemical processes shut down. That's what death looks like. But in the Bible, it has a different context. That's in there, but there's there's more to it than that, where where it's actually seen as as a power, if you would. Uh, when when Jesus, you know, hands back the kingdom to God, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Uh, so it's 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 got a bigger dynamic, uh, and it's it's related to the enemy and to darkness. When I when I think about the way I like to th- understand death, is that death and darkness go together, and, and and that the opposite of that is in Jesus, which is light and life. And so you're, you look at death and life not as a biological process, but as a as a you get a spiritual understanding to what happens. And so what God is saying to Adam and Eve at this point is if they eat from that fruit, because it says they, they will die. He, he's saying what you're doing is you're opening a doorway for this other power to come in and have access and you, you won't be able to stand against it. It will consume you. And that's the idea behind death. And that's what happens when death enters the world. And, and so um, Paul picks up on this in Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, through Adam, uh, and death came because of sin, that was the ticket in, and this way death comes to all people because all have sinned. Romans uh, 5.14, he he says basically the same thing. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Let me quickly explain that. See, the, the Adam violated a command, Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree. Moses, in, in uh, being a representative of the people of Israel, they're given ten commands, which they all violate. And, and there you see it again. And in between the two times, the, the, they were all caught up in sin, although you, you didn't have the law to sort of point it out. But everybody was sinning and still has. And because all of us have sinned, uh, Romans uh, 6.23, the, the wages of sin is death. It, it opens the door. Sin is the way that death gets its clutches uh, on all of us. It, it grants death access. And, and, and so death has actually hijacked the human race from, from its intended purpose. What it was created for has been taken away from us. We were to go in and subdue and have dominion over chaos. And yet because of what the enemy has done and the way we've gone into it, it, it has now consumed us. That's what took place. And, and so, um, you know, the picture there is, is this idea that, that death enters then. Well, like I said, people say, well, they didn't physically die. Well, it's bigger than that. But it had an immediate impact 
on them in the process. You know, death is, is more um, in this whole thing. So, so what happens? How do you see death sort of moving on Adam and Eve immediately? Because there was. And so it happens internally and spiritually. Like the, the very first thing you happen is that it, their relationships die. It's a, it has a relational impact. All of a sudden, Adam and Eve, who had been perfect together in every way, guess now they're pointing fingers at each other. It's her fault, his fault. They did this, they did this. Shame, guilt enters the scene. It's all there. It blows their relationship up. You see it in their offspring who now turned to murder in the process. That hadn't happened. That boom was a result, a direct result of the fall. It happens vocationally. So relationally, vocationally. The very thing they were called to do now turns against them. All of a sudden, the gifts that were to be like childbirth and farming, which were gifts to them, now become burdens to them. Uh, and, it, and it takes away from them. It upends their entire calling in the process. Um, it, it, emotionally, it, it, it affects them. It blocks their return to the to Eden and in the very presence of God. Um, physically, ultimately, it takes place because they, they die. Uh, and, and so everything is, is changed and, and, um, because of the event of the fall. That, and that's a picture of the personal fall. See, the, the evil one, through death, gains rule over us and subjects us to his cruel reign. That's where this verse comes in that we've talked about a lot. John 10.10 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's, that's that horrible part of that verse. And, and he's destroying life with this power, sending sickness and pain and heartache. And he's, he's working to break us down in the way I said that it would relationally, start looking for it, vocationally, emotionally, and ultimately physically. His goal, his goal is to drain the entirety of people's lives, drag them into the pit for eternity. Fortunately, the verse doesn't end there. And see, that's where the good news starts to kick in. And that's what we're going to expand on next week. Because Jesus says, that's all true, but I have come that they may have life, the opposite of death. And not only have it, but have it to the full, full and abundant. It has this whole picture of promise to it, real life, the life they were actually created for. Everything is going to be restored and renewed for the believers uh, who, who are with me. And even though they know it's difficult now, there's this time coming that we can hang on to in the process that helps us through it. And he enters the scene. Light and life will enter the scene and begin to change everything. And I think there's some things you might not have connected before. And I'm, I want to connect that for you, but it's going to be next week. Because I'm out of time. But good. God is good. Ministry team, those are here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over here, oh, they're here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you need. Probably shouldn't pray for your team to win the day, but that's a. I'm not sure. Maybe not over the wall anyway. Let me pray for all of you. Papa, thank you for your goodness to us, for your love for us, for your faithfulness, for this life that you've called us to now and forever. Help us, God, to just press in and experience you in more real ways, that that understanding all that you've done and all that you're doing and all that you've promised and let that impact us in the now, that it would change us in the now and impact the world around us for you, that you would bring renewal, revival and breakthrough to this area, that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. We ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. 
We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more, just one more lost child back to you, Dad, just one more. Thank you for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer for anything this morning, the folks over there pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that now as well. It's really humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God that you're broken like all the rest of us here. You've sinned. Asking God to forgive you, which you'll do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, do it right now. You can do it right where you're at. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. It's really that simple. If you, if you, if you need help with that, go over there and just ask somebody, I want to know Jesus, and they'll help you with the prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast today, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that and everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God, so that they can know about your love for them. And we do pray for the big game today and that everybody's team would win. (sighs) Which can't happen. Well, I guess it could. I don't know. Let's not even go there. Praise God from whom all bless. and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we get one lost child back to death. Prayer is there. Breakfast will be back there. As you go, be kind to one another in the parking lot. Park well out there. Catch some fish. Have a great day. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.